On today's Roadman Cycling Podcast, I'm going to chat with mobility guru Tom Morrison. Let's cue that intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness, and our longevity? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh, and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roadman, welcome back to another Roadman Cycling Podcast. It's Thursday, and today I am chatting with Tom Morrison. Tom is the creator of the Simplistic Mobility Method. He is the fixer of mobility issues, and he is quite easy to understand, which is why I came upon Tom's work and I connected with it. He takes a complex topic of mobility movement patterns. He makes it funny. He makes it light. And as cyclists, he's like the antidote to all the habits we have ingrained into us that just aren't self-serving our total exclusivity on cycling our neglect of other movement patterns and when we stick that and compound it with our inactivity because of you know lockdowns zoom calls tom really is the antidote to a lot of those things so i'm super excited to bring you this chat i hope you're getting value from it folks if you're loving the podcast as i know so many of you are because i can see the download figures you absolute legends thank you for sharing it whoever's sharing it into their whatsapp groups telling their club mates about it i'm much much indebted to you that's how podcasts grow you know you can do all the digital marketing trickery in the world but honestly, that's not what we're doing. Honestly, I'm trying to create a good product for you guys, a product and a podcast that's good enough to share. And when it's good enough to share, my hope is that you pass it along to a friend and you say, hey, yesterday we talked about four average speed metrics. If a friend of yours is chasing average speed, you share that podcast with him and that's a way he can improve. Roman, and from that, I do thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm really excited to bring you this interview with Tom Morrison today. Before I do, just a really brief plug on our Patreon, because along with your generosity and goodwill and sharing vibes, as cool as they are, unfortunately, they don't pay the bills. But who does pay the bills for us is our Patreons. They're a select group of our audience who dip into their own pocket to buy me the price of a pint of beer once a month to say thanks for creating the podcast content. And in return, I give them the secret podcast so when you sign up you will get access to a weekly secret podcast as a thank you and a tip of the cap you're also going to get a heads up on anything we bring out like training camp kits any of that it's a heads up first to the patreons so if you're not currently a patreon and you want to sign up it's super easy just head across to patreon.com forward slash anthony underscore walsh and you can contribute to the beer fund Folks, without further ado, let me welcome to the podcast, actually just before I do that, I just dawned on me as I was welcoming Tom to the podcast, he's the second Irish guest we've had this week. I've only had, I would say, a handful of Irish guests ever on the podcast, and Tom is the second in a week. Interesting indeed. Let's welcome to the Roadman Cycling Podcast, Mr. Tom Morrison. Thanks very much for having me. Tom, I want to talk about stretching mobility uh a lot of our listeners are listening to this podcast and right although i'd love to think that people are listening to this out active walking on the bike moving the reality is a lot of people are listening to this in their ear when they're either stuck in traffic they're either stuck in work in a cubicle and they're just hunched over in a very unnatural posture that we're just you know ancestrally we're just not well adapted to the modern lifestyle that we're living and 
a lot of what you do seems to be the antidote to this unnatural living environment we find ourselves in now. Absolutely, yeah. Like, um, and but it's something I'm kind of a wee bit, you know, against as well. That there seems to be an ethos that in order to combat this, that you need to take up an intense yoga practice and start stretching for six hours a day in order to combat your eight hours in the chair. Um, and that's kind of like not the case, especially you know. So yeah, if you have a desk job, for example, and your passion is cycling, for example, then yeah, you're going to be spending a lot of time in a flexed position with the spine. And yeah, over time, things start to seize up and get stiff and stuff. And it's what you effectively will do outside of that that will make the difference. And you could talk like five, 10 minutes a day. You can completely offset that if you're using the right movements. So that's really the kind of avenue that we like to go down with our teaching is like, look, you'd you just need to have make, make sure you've got the basics down with things and you can change things very effectively as long as you're doing the right stuff rather than having to completely change your ethos of training. And especially for a lot of people um, that would be very fit, very active um, that, you know, think, right, I need to start doing a bit of mobility work now. They think that it needs to take over their entire training and they need to sub these extra blocks for it and stuff like that. But you can have a very, very effective couple of movements that you just do daily and it can completely offset eight hours, maybe more of sitting just because you're putting that extra intensity into doing it right and using your breath properly. Because, you know, when you're sitting, you're not really using any energy. You're not really building any strength when you're sitting. So if you stretch properly, you can offset that because you're actually putting, you know, that actual effort into it. So you can actually combat a lot of stuff just from doing the right movements. So that's what we like to try and push on to people. But isn't this, uh, it's a problem I see over and over again, and I'd be interested to hear if you're seeing it as well. People, when they audit and they assess their current lifestyle and they go, okay, I have X number of problems here. One of them is I'm not able to move. But in order for a lot of people to get started, they think they need to create this perfect environment where they need to box off three hours a day to ride their bike or they need to box off five hours every weekend morning. Or, you know, if you're currently sedentary and you're only moving a small amount, really, you can make progress by using that as your baseline and improving upon that baseline. You know, improvement could look like five minutes movement, you know, an hour or five minutes a day, depending on how poor your baseline is. Absolutely. Like move your joints like joints. That almost, It sounds too simple, but move your joints like joints. Rotate the joints that rotate and are supposed to. So the legs of your hips and the shoulders. Make sure you move your spine like a spine. They miss out all the elements of the spine of rotation um, and lateral flexion, extension, all that kind of stuff as well. And when you start to do that, then your back muscles just really start to feel really seized up. And then if the middle back starts to feel really seized up, that just travels up upstream. Your traps start to feel tight all the time. Your neck starts to feel tight all the time. So, you know, it's, it's all just, it's bad habits that people have. Yeah, so how much of it is you know, a case of we all have one body and we can ap apply kind of a formula to it, as you say that, you know, hips are meant to roll, spine's meant to have a certain movement or how much of it is case by case basis. If you assess and go, okay, well, this guy works as a job laying a flat roof, whereas this guy works as a stockbroker and is stuck in his chair all day. Is it horses for courses and this, this sort of movement needs to be highly individualized? No. Not at all. Um, your body's designed to move in one kind of way. And it's, it's a question we get asked quite often, like with our program, it's like, well, is it not bespoke? Is it not, you know, it needs to be tailored to each individual person. It's like, well, not, you know, if you want to 
do your driving test, pass your driving test. You need to learn how the car works and how to drive, and then you can go and drive. So the body works in certain ways. And what you'll find with when I go through an assessment with someone, depending on what they do, if I take a, a golf, someone that, that plays golf, for example, they're going to be heavily rotated to one side all the time. And you're probably going to find that they have a problem with one shoulder, one hip and one knee. And that's purely from that. You know, people don't seem to you know, take for value how extreme golf or cycling actually is as a sport. Um, you know, and it's, it's how intense it is. And, it, you know, when you push the body like that in, the, in a certain modality for long enough, then it will start to throw away things that you're not using. So if you're not using your joints like joints the way they're supposed to move and you're just doing your sport all the time, um, you can start to feel pretty banged up. And then that's where you'll see that people will start to think, say my lower back hurts a bit so if you've got if you take a cyclist for example upper back's going to be quite rounded and going to be really really rigid it's going to be really hard to open up someone's upper back so that was something that i noticed when i started working with a lot of cyclists that were um coming to me because they started doing they wanted to um improve their fitness in other ways and, and they started getting aches and pains from just their cycling so i thought well i'm going to get strong so i'm going to go and do crossfit now and it was like well that's not going to work you know you're, you're going from one extreme to the other so what they would find with a lot of cyclists is they weren't actually able to put their arms up above their head for the like overhead press position so you know the likes of it were really nice handstand they couldn't achieve that range of motion because their upper back backs were so locked up because they were so strong in that position because that's where they push themselves that's where the intensity comes from and that extra even when you're starting to go faster and you're leaning down even further you're leaning down into that extra rounded back position so when you start to try and do something that requires you to have really good thoracic extension all of a sudden you find you get stuck pretty quickly and that can affect people's breathing as well with the being seated the whole time your hip flexors can get tightened up which is you know everyone always hears that your hip flexors are tight but if you don't understand to stretch out the hip flexors and then do glute activation work afterwards so that you're actually keeping that range of motion you're improving your hip extension you can get fallen into a trap of always stretching your hip flexors, always stretching your hamstrings and always doing those monster band walks all of the time that you'll see people. So if someone gets knee pain or back pain, they're always doing the abduction exercises and glute um, activation exercises all the time. And you'll see people doing thousands and thousands of reps of things that they don't really need because the problem is that they're not moving their joints like joints. So if they were just to literally work on their hip extension, work on their hip flexion, work on their hip internal and external rotation, and work on their actual abductor and adductor strength, so the inside of the thigh, which is a very, very common one to see for people that are getting knee pain when cycling, that they have no strength in the groin whatsoever. So everything's just sort of caving in, so they'll get pain in the inside of the knee. It's a very common one to see as well. So if you just work on those things, that's a more complete program. And that, those few things that I just mentioned there, it might sound um, complicated and like a lot of work to some people, but you can have that covered in five minutes a day easily just through doing a few reps of a few movements really, really well. And I know anecdotally, I fall exactly into that category you're talking about where for, you know, uh, probably the last 10 years I've ridden the bike north of 20 hours per week. And mm -hmm. to and you think you're healthy, you can convince yourself you are healthy, yeah. but you're yeah, so thing. specialized in just one narrow thing, firing the legs up and down like pistons. And the rest mm -hmm. of your body, it's to in total atrophy. And you probably feel fine when you're cycling. It's your daily life that starts to become affected. It's like, oh shit, I have to get that. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? <laughs> swear, swear away on this podcast. We're on okay. the internet. We, we like, can't oh, get oh, cancelled. No, I have to get a pan out of the bottom drawer. It's like, oh, and you're trying to get down to the floor and it takes you 20 minutes to get back up. But you can go out and kill a bike ride, no problem, you know? Um, and it's it's that that really starts to affect people. And they're, they're, you, you start to think, I don't understand. I'm fit. I'm fit. I don't understand this. And yes, you are fit, but you're fit in a very, very, very specific way. And, you know, you've got to sort of weigh those options up. It's like, you know, 
yes, it's your hobby, but you also don't want your hobby affecting your daily life. Like you don't want the rest of your day to feel, you know, you don't want to be waking up in the morning going, oh, and it's taking you like 10 minutes to get going in the morning and stuff like that. You want to be able to get out of bed and feel good and be excited about your training session later on and not dreading, um, you know, having to warm up for your training session later or thinking that you have to sit on a foam roller for 20 minutes before you're actually able to get on the bike. You never want to get to that stage. Well, and I went back doing strength training probably like 12 months ago as I'm kind of transitioning more out of, you know, the serious side of my cycling into, you know, just talking into a microphone all day in a room on my own. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I went back in doing some gym work, jumped in with a buddy, doing some CrossFit sessions, like exactly all the stuff I shouldn't have been doing, but just trying to make exercise fun and social and doing different stuff again. And all, all those limitations that you're talking about, plus more I was experiencing, like the ability to like external rotation of my arms after breaking, you know, the collarbone on both sides twice. Well, that's, that is definitely something we'll have to get into. What you guys have to deal with is like coming off the bike that can cause a cascade of compensations everywhere. And if you don't know how to stretch that stuff out, um, like, especially like if you say you just get a really bad skin burn and you're you know you're scared to put your jeans near your leg for like two weeks at a time you will start to move differently and if you don't understand how to straighten yourself out after an injury like that that you're compensating for a long period of time that can just leave you in a like a period of having bouncing pains forever and you'll just feel like you're really really unlucky and that you're you know you're just getting old that's one of the worst things as well it's like no you just you like for example if you ever stub your big toe the first thing that happens is all the muscles in your hip will all basically contract to lift your leg away from whatever it was you stubbed your toe on and that's how i know some people are totally fine some people are like ah that really hurt and then 10 minutes later the hip will go ah and relax and everything will be fine but if you take that into you know if you really land on your knee or really hurt um your ankle or something like that for example and you're for a few weeks perhaps running around with these compensations Again, some people totally fine. We're not that fragile, but for some other people, they'll end up feeling twisted and sore and their back will start to hurt. Their spine will start to get annoyed because your hips are sitting slightly up to one side. And it's very, very easy to correct yourself with stretches. Not You don't need to rely on somebody else. You don't need to go and get an adjustment or anything like that there. You just need to make sure that you're getting rid of the compensation for a while and you'll be completely fine. And I know in cycling, we have this, uh, you know, from the outside looking in at cycling, it's like, oh, there's a load of fairies wearing skin tight lycra. But when you're mm. actually immersed in it, there's some of the hardest athletes you'll ever see. Yeah. You know, guys come off the bike at north of 80, 90 kilometers an hour on alpine descents. They pick themselves up with broken legs and they get themselves to the finish line and then they mm. assess the injuries at the end of the day. But because it's a such a culture of, crashing's part of the game just get on with it regardless of the injury you know guys have finished the last two weeks of the tour de france with broken collarbones you know unbearable pain but that trickles down into amateur and we have trivialized a lot of injuries that people Mm. get whether out training on you know slippy roads or in races and they'll say oh it's just a bit of road rash and that's the kind of skin born that you'd refer to Uh, by saying it's just a bit of road rash that means it largely be it's dropped in significance and how important you see that as so you don't do any corrective measures and you don't do any rehabilitation you just go oh i'm I'm gonna be sore for a few days that's just part of the game but hitting the ground at 20 30 40 kilometers an hour like i say to people it's always serious you know there's no there's no trivial hitting the ground imagine jumping out of a car naked wearing a, a a helmet that's made of polystyrene you know on a motorway you know it's not good news Nope. (laughs) 
And if you don't understand how to re, you know check, you know stretch everything out again and get yourself back to um, the alignment that you had before, then that's when you start running all other kinds of problems, you know. And you'll see people just you know oh my knee hurts and then the next week oh my back hurts, we've now my, now my shoulder hurts and it just bounces up and down absolutely everywhere. And it's because you came off the bike and hurt your knee really badly at one point. And even though the knee knee feels fine again, those muscle compensations are still left there. And is there a standardized assessment you do with cyclists when they come into you to kind of go through and see what needs working on? Um, the SMM program that we promote, that's my main assessment that I use for everyone. And depending on what your sport is and your background, your training history and your job, you will get different results from the exact same test that I use. Um, and so if I use my program, for example, for someone that's highly inflexible, There'll be certain movements that they'll feel quite a lot in. Um, so there's the likes of the deep lunge test and the 90-90 position, which would be two very good ones for cyclists to do. If you search them up, it's the deep lunge test and the 90-90 position. Um, if you put Tom Morrison before you search it on YouTube, they'll just come up with videos for them. Um, and it's essentially to test your deep hip flexion and your extension on the back leg. And then the 90-90 position tests your external and internal hip rotation. And what you'll find with a lot of cyclists is that their internal and external rotation will be quite off because they never have to do that. It's just the up and down motion um, with the pedaling that they get. So they never actually take their hips to those ranges of motion. And you imagine, so like if I said to you with your arm, and the likes of your elbow it's like right you're never allowed to bend your elbow anymore you know you're only allowed to have your arm straight all the time you'd be like don't be stupid that doesn't make any sense <laughs> when it comes to the likes of a hip it's like okay never rotate your hip okay that okay why that actually it does make sense i should probably rotate my hips because it's a ball and socket joint you know so that's and again that's something that's very very easy to you know set in you don't need to get your yoga mat out and you know start you know getting up at half four in the morning to salute the sun or anything like that there you know it's you could literally sit and do it while you're sitting in the chair i can sit there right now just across my leg and you know let it come in as well you know so it's just it's given the joints the appreciation that they deserve and things will feel a lot better from that so what i usually test for for people would be their pelvis positioning so i would look very much for either rotation of the pelvis or hike of the pelvis on one side and if i see any of that you know and that can come from like daily habits, for example. So if someone just sits with one leg crossed over the other all day, you're sitting with one hip in external rotation with the other hip in a neutral position. Yeah. So if I say, again, if I said to you, right, I want you just to stretch your left hip 20 times a day, never the right, not, never the right hip, just the left hip. It's the only one you're allowed to stretch 20 times a day. You'd look at me like I'm crazy, but that's essentially what people start doing. And that's when they start feeling really, really twisted um, and start feeling really, really sore all the time. So um, it's really important, like I said, just making sure you're taking your joints through full ranges of motion and making sure that your body is aligned. You're never going to be perfectly symmetrical, but you can get pretty close. You know, you're always going to have one side slightly stronger than the other and all that kind of stuff. But if something's really out of whack, like when you're standing, if one of your feet turns out to say, say your right foot turns out to like two o'clock, but your left foot's at 12 o'clock, then maybe there's some tightness going on in the hip or something like that there. So what happens if you started to compound the likes of running, for example, on top of that for thousands and thousands and thousands of steps? Things start to feel tight. The knee starts to feel sore. And that's the sort of ruts that people can get stuck into. So when you say SMM, you're talking about it's a simplistic mobility method. That's what people should be going to check out on your YouTube because it's a it's a funny one. And I'm, I'm very aware that this is a podcast format and the task we've set you to describe and explain mobility methods, which are massively visually driven, is almost an impossible one. Mm -hmm. So your YouTube is funny as fuck as well, which I'd encourage people to go over. If <laughs> Tom, like sort of some context, he I would say crowbarred his way into my life by 
finding me on the internet and following me around as diligently as the best digital marketers out there and i just got such a laugh out of some of his facebook ads and some of his marketing stuff that eventually i caved in and i actually bought the simplistic mobility message but because of my simplistic brain i still haven't actually opened the simplistic mobility message <laughs> yeah it's uh the the name of it like simplistic it's called simplistic because the way i lay things out is i like to explain things very simply um which you'll see from the youtube channel if i refer explain things we'll never use any big words we'll never try and overcomplicate things or try and sound smarter than we are i literally you know i i'm very much a coach of body part direction what's that over there put that there you know it's up or down left and right that's kind of all you really need and that's kind of the way i broke the body down um, especially when looking at an alignment point of view, if you've got someone standing in front of you, is one shoulder lower than the other? Is one shoulder rotated further more than the other? Are the hips sitting level or is one rotated further round than the other one? Um, another nice one you can do with someone, if you get them to just hang from a pull-up bar, you'll see any sort of rotation with the pelvis very, very easily because whenever the body's just hanging straight, you'll see whatever's going on down there and you can just look at what way the feet are actually pointing as well. Um, so there's all I break things down into very you know, come at the body from all angles. And when you start to do that, you start to find compensations very, very quickly. Um, and whenever I take people through assessments, you know, you'll have them do, for the, an example, like a side plank on one side, and they'll feel totally fine. And then you'll take them to the other side, can barely hold themselves up, or they're shaking like absolute crazy. And that's a massive, massive imbalance. So you imagine, so if you, if you put that into core terms, like imagine if one side of your your midsection just isn't working properly the way it should be. Of course, you'll start getting back pain and probably on one side as well, especially whenever you put that in strength and conditioning um, context. A lot of the movements are going to be bilateral, so you're going to be doing deadlifts, you're going to be doing squats, which requires both sides to be firing at the same time. And if you don't have a body that is, you know, relatively symmetrical, not perfect, but relatively, you know, going all together, you're going to find that you're going to run into problems pretty, pretty quickly. Um, I'll say pretty, pretty quickly for some people, it can take, you know, a year, maybe two years to start noticing these problems happening because you, you can get away with a lot of stuff for a long time. Your body's um, really resilient and it can take a lot of punishment. But when you start to go down that rabbit hole of picking up one injury, what you'll find with a lot of people is another one shortly follows and then another one and then another one. And then, you know, that's when the age factor comes in. That's where they just feel like they're unlucky. And then depending on what um, avenues they choose to go down, they might end up only getting partial pieces of a puzzle. So like I was saying earlier about the um, banded sort of glute activation stuff, yeah. that's, you know, the amount of people that I've met that could win the glute activation Olympics is crazy. You know, they just, they fall addicted to these exercises and think that they need them all the time. But then if I put them into the likes of a Copenhagen plank, which is to test the adductors and the groin, for any kind of weakness they can't even do one rep they can barely hold themselves up so you imagine there like you've completely taken one massive supporting muscle out of your hips so they're not going to feel stable it doesn't matter how much glute stuff you do if the if the, if the adductors if the adductors are really really weak so if the groin's really weak you're just you're missing out on a massive piece of the overall hip puzzle and is i suppose uh, something that a lot of cyclists uh wonder should they be stretching pre-session? Should they be stretching post-session? Should they be warming up for 10 minutes and then getting off the stretch? Or what's the optimum way to sort of get ready and make sure the muscles are primed for a session they're going to do? For a session, quick 10 minutes. And again, if it's all an appreciating that joint movement and just doing the complete flip side. So if you're going to be hunched over for an extended period of time, then do the complete opposite of that. Do the complete extension so that you're completely um, 
opening up your upper back. Now, the secret to actually opening up your upper back, um, so if you're constantly in a flex position, flex position, is not just to go straight for straight extension. It's actually to use rotational exercises. So if you actually rotate your thoracic spine, so actually move one side at a time, you'll be able to create more range because you're doing one side at a time, and that actually improves your extension. So the likes of doing um a zenith rotation would be called so you're pulling one side of your body around as far as you can so imagine like you have a stick going from your head out your butt you're trying to rotate your upper body around that stick on one side at a time as much as you can the breathing there will be the most important thing as well so if you take a deep breath and if you rotate as far as you can take a deep breath in as much as you can into the um nose so you're big like that and then try and rotate further as you breathe out so actually go and rotate further yeah. as you breathe it out, you'll find you're actually able to improve the range. In fact, you could do this with me right now. Get your left elbow and put it <laughs> into your left um, thigh, okay? All right. So left elbow and down in the left thigh, and then grab hold of your chest with your right hand, grab and then I want you to rotate up to the right as much as you can. So rotate your body up to the right as much as you can, and then take a deep breath in and expand your ribs. So it's... In, and then as you breathe out, I want you to try and twist yourself around further. So you're gonna rotate yourself around further and then stay where you are, take another deep breath in and then out through the mouth, rotate further. Yeah, you definitely, more, you definitely guess, uh, you definitely get an extra <laughs> distance at each ex exhale. It's just from doing three deep breaths each side, always make sure you do both sides, otherwise you'll start to rotate the one side. Um, and that's going to improve your thoracic extension. So that's the biggest thing um, that I'll work with some people, especially if they're struggling with the thoracic spine, you'll just see them over a foam roller and they'll just keep constantly trying to crack their back over a foam roller. And when you start doing that the first couple of times, you want to improve your range of motion with your own muscles. You want to teach your body how to improve range of motion by itself without needing external equipment. Um, so that's uh, for any the program that I have, SMM, you don't need any equipment. Your body has all the ability to be able to anchor and stretch and do everything. It's the knowledge that you're actually after of how to actually stretch properly and you know activate muscles properly. And somebody who hasn't stretched, so they've been cycling and they haven't bought into stretching ever because they mm -hmm. think you know the totality of the time i can allocate each week to exercise is 10 hours and they decide to allocate that 10 hours entirely to bike riding but now this podcast mm -hmm. is a bit of a you know the metaphorical tap on the shoulder for them to go oh shit i need to at least peel off one of these hours now per week and start focusing on mobility can they dive straight into this sort of smm program that you're talking about or is there a graded step-by-step -step adaptation process to get there not on SMMs right away, the first thing. It's, it's all built on principles. So it's built on improving your thoracic extension, your shoulder flexion, um, improving your hip extension, your hip flexion, all the stuff I was talking about earlier, internal external rotation, and but also your balance, which is a very important thing as well that people don't seem to realize about stability, is actually balancing. Like when's the last time that you took time to stand on one leg and see how long you can actually do that for? And if you find that incredibly easy, then take it a step further. Can you stand on one leg for an extended period of time with your eyes closed? Can you start to mess around with your vestibular system? And that's something that people have very underrated as well. And a lot of people seem to think, when, oh, I need to start working on my mobility. They start thinking they need to start getting the splits. 
And that's completely different. That's advanced flexibility. The splits are not essential in any way. And how is that going to help you cycle? You know, it's not at all. You know, it's, it's a completely contradictory thing to start wanting to work on. You just want to have the baseline flexibility that your body should have to be able to squat, to be able to run, to be able to, you know, extend well, reach your arms up above the head. And that's pretty much it, you know, and that's not hard to achieve or maintain at all. And one thing, so you're asking me sort of about um, a specific warm up. If you're doing this stuff for a while, so if you're if you have a lot of areas you need to work on, then yeah, allocate a bit more time for a while. So I would say for a month or two months, spend a bit of extra time on it, really go to town on improving those things that you need to work on. And then outside of that, you'll find it stays if you're doing it regularly. So you can effectively start to keep all of these ranges of motion just from doing five minutes in the morning. And when it comes to your bike ride later on, you could even have for pid skip a warm up. You might not even need one because you've been doing all the good stuff all the time. So your body moves well all the time. Basically every step you take all day is a corrective exercise because you're not compensating anywhere because you put the work in for a while and you're just being consistent with it. And that's how you can get away with a lot more in your training and um, it was one of the best things we ever did with our guys in the gym was making them have a morning routine first thing in the day so that they were assessing themselves first thing in the day you found that they there was so much less tweaks in the gym you know people would used to always crack their necks or you know tweak their backs or pull a hamstring and all that kind of stuff you know from trying to lift weights that were too heavy for them but yeah. when you started to give them these mobility routines they would come into the gym that night and they'd be like my neck felt a bit funny this morning and it's like great okay we'll change the programming for you then make sure that's not going to become a problem in the class you know and people become more body aware and you start to become more body aware you start to move better all the time and then that's whenever good things start to happen that's whenever you don't get that unlucky injury so I, I always like to say like the best injury is the one that didn't happen and it's purely because you're doing good stuff outside of your training and outside of work as well and again it can just be a few minutes in the morning and the morning's the best time to stretch people always ask when's the best time to stretch first thing in the morning as soon as you get up best time to stretch stretch when you're stiffest and that's you know everyone's a little bit stiff in the morning when they first wake up because they've just been still for well if you don't have kids probably eight hours hopefully and <laughs> um, if you do have kids you maybe had about you know 45 minutes sleep um so you know you're, you're getting up you have just been still for a long period of time so if you stretch first thing in the morning, you stretch from your stiffest, you're basically training your mind, your body, your brain, whatever you want to call it. As soon as you wake up, it's time to move. You're telling your body that rather yeah. than rolling out of the bed, just about getting down the stairs, turning the kettle on, having your coffee, sitting in the car, getting home, sitting the bike when you get home. You know, that's, you know, that's where the habits are coming in. And that's where you start to see the, you know, 90 year old people that, you know, they shuffle when they walk now and they're, you know, half the height that they used to be because they haven't been opening their upper back for years. They haven't been working on their balance for years either. And that's when your body starts to feel like it can't balance. That's when you start to lose a lot of confidence. And that's where you start to people's, they'll start to waddle when they walk and their feet will be scared to leave the ground. And that's why that happens. Tom, that was absolutely brilliant. I think that's, uh, you know, given the obvious restriction we had and not being able to show stuff on a podcast format, that was such an eye opener, I think, for so many people who are, you know, just focused predominantly on cycling to the neglect of other stuff. And if you don't address this stuff, it does come back to bite you sooner or later. Uh, just finishing up, Tom, where can people check out this simple simplistic mobility method try and say that 10 times fast simplistic mobility method uh, where can they check that out and how can they follow you the simplistic mobility method <laughs> uh, if you go to tommorrison.uk um, we couldn't get the .co.uk unfortunately um, so if it's tommorrison.uk you'll see all of our stuff on the website the um, YouTube channel as well is just Tom Morrison um, basically if you, search, if you type Tom Morrison say, say you have a problem with a body part 
and type into Google Tom Morrison and set your foot and foot a video will come up for you. You'll have um, something to follow along with and do. Um, so the YouTube channel, there's a ton of free info in it as well. So um, lots and lots of really beneficial stuff. And especially for you guys that are cyclists, search Tom Morrison Zeniths. That'll be the really, really good one for your upper back. So it's Z-E-N-I-T-H. I'm glad you spelled that. It's hard to spell I... when you're not looking at it. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> search that because that movement there is something that you're going to be wanting to be doing every day and um, because like i said working with cyclists it's one of the some people i'll get some serious quick wins with um for things but when it comes to cyclists with the upper back you're really fighting there to try and you know you need that bit of daily effort so that you're really starting to offset um all of that extra flexion that you've been doing so it's hard hard work so but once you've got that work done very easy to maintain Tom, you are a legend. Thank you very much for joining us on the Roadman Cycling Podcast.